You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, hello, church. Good to see everyone. You all look so good. Turn the person next to you and tell them God loves you. Tell them you're in the right place. Tell them it's a new day. Tell them we have hope. <laughs> Give them a kiss. I lose you. I'm telling you, if I were dating, this would be my favorite part of the service right there. I give my wife a kiss now. I love her. Um, <clears throat> Lord Jesus, have your way here, God. Move here in a special way. And uh, Holy Spirit, thank you for the way you've moved here already. And I just pray that by your grace, you move through me again for these good people. I recognize, God, uh, that people are here right now because you stirred their heart and said, go to Thorn Creek Church. And I'm humbled by that, God. I'm glad we're on your referral list, Lord. <laughs> and uh, God, I, I pray that you just change lives here in a surprising way. Would you move in the heart of that woman, move in the heart of that man, that student? God, um, may we know you more fully at the end of the service. May we make a personal decision for you to invade our life in a transformational way. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Give God permission. Just tell him, God, start with me. Make that your prayer. Say, God, start with me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, it's good to be at church. And if you're just joining us, we're uh, wrapping up this series called Life BC. Um, what if Jesus had never been born? And we've been looking at this scenario of what would it be like if Christmas never happened? What would it be like? What would our relationship with God look like? And what would it, what would it look like? And that's what we're doing. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really sad life. I'll just tell you, it's a sad life. And I am so grateful for Christmas. But our hope and prayer is that our hearts are primed. Our hearts are ready for Christmas. And, and you know, this is uh, 2,000 years after the resurrection. So we don't see Jesus today you know, in the flesh like he was when he walked this earth. So we have to exercise this muscle called faith, right? We're all faith people here, and we're, we're, we're choosing to, to put our faith in God and to walk by faith and cry out to God. And, and I'm so grateful that we have a God who still saves. We have a God who still moves. We have a God who's still changing lives. And that is our God. That is our God. Last two services, I heard of people that God stirred their hearts to come to church because they were living in this season of life that I'm about to preach about. And, and it reminds me just how good God is. God is still in the business of saving people. God is still in the business of redeeming humanity. So uh, today's the message is 400 years of silence. So I want to, <clears throat> the Bible here is our sole authority here and and we spend, uh, we spend time in this word all the time. But I'm going to preach a message that I've never preached before ever. And perhaps I'm going to preach a message that you maybe have never heard before either. So if you looked in, uh, in your Bible, you have you know, what's called the Old Testament. You know, that's all this right here. And then you have this, this page. It's kind of blank. has a title page on it. Mine says New American Standard Bible, that's the version I'm reading. And then you flip, and it's just a blank page. Do you see that? It's right before the New Testament, right before the New Testament. So here's what I want you to, I want to talk about is I want to talk about this blank page in your Bible. I want to talk about this blank page. It's incredibly significant. It's known as the 400 years of silence, this blank page before Jesus came into the world. 
It's, it's four, 400 years of silence. It's known as the intertestamental testamental period. And during this phase right here, God did not speak at all through any of his prophets. There was no word from the Lord during this 400 years. Could you imagine living during this time and the Israelites and, 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 and it was during this season right here where they were like, you know what? I heard my great, great, great grandfather had, you know, Malachi, God used him, but I, I've never heard God speak. And for 400 years, God was just silent. Now things were happening. So God was at work, but nothing was printed. And maybe you could identify with this. Have you been in a season before where you've been on the blank page? And it's that place where, like, I, I'm not sure what God wants. I'm not sure what he wants to do with my life. I'm not sure what his purpose is. I don't know what's happening. There's not really anything worth posting about. And I'm just walking by faith, but I'm just not sure. And I'm just like in the, I'm in the in-between of life. And I'm just, I know things are happening and I'm getting up every day and I'm going to work or school or whatever it is, but I'm just like in this place right here. I'd love to see God move and I hear about it and I hear other people talk about it, but the truth is this is kind of where I'm at right now. I'm in this blank page of life. I want to talk to you about how God moved on this blank page with the Israelites. And my hope and prayer is that you see God moving in your life. And I want to talk to you about how to live on this blank page page right here and what that looks like. Here's, here's a little bit I want you to hear first. In fact, let me just share this. I remember living on this blank page myself. I remember um, when I was in Colorado Springs and, and uh, I was a pastor. And believe it or not, pastors also have pages like this, believe it or not. Um, um, I, remember, I, remember, um, I remember God uh, um, speaking to me and it happened through our worship pastor. And, and uh, I went to go visit him in his office and and uh, he said, hey, Ruben, check out this article. And he showed me this magazine. And in the magazine, there was this article about this guy who planted a church. And, I, I, and he said something like, you can do this, Ruben. That's what he said. And he was just showing it to me. He had no idea God was using him. And I, I looked at that article and I read it. And there was something inside of my heart that was stirred. And I thought, I could do this. You know, have you ever experienced that where God kind of plants a seed inside of you and he just kind of drops it? And when he drops it, you're like, oh, great, this is going to happen now and this is going to happen. And more often than not, um, this is what happens right here. Nothing. And you're like, okay, God, I, I, you put this in my heart. I have a desire for it, but nothing's happening. And I, I thought, well, I'll just have to give God a month. You know what I mean? I'll give God a month, and then it'll all start. Then he'll, he'll turn the page, and, and a month went by, and I thought it's got to be six months, and six months went by, and it's got to be a year, and the year went by, and it's got to be two, two, and it just, it just, you know, like, I was wondering, God, when are you going to turn the page? Because I want you. I want you. And it didn't happen for years. In fact, I tell people all the time, I could have started a church a lot earlier, but there would have been a lot of casualties because I wasn't ready. And we always have a tendency to think we're farther along than we actually are. That's just our human nature. We all have a tendency to think we're a little bit better than the person we're sitting with or whatever. That's just our human nature. That's just the flesh. And it didn't happen. Let me ask you the question a different way. When was the last time 
you heard from God. Now give me the book in the Bible, give me the chapter, and give me the verse that he spoke to you. And please don't tell me God told me to have more patience. Everybody says that. that, that I want you to, I would, I would, maybe legit, I don't know. But, but when was the last time God spoke to you? Don't tell me you saw it on this or you saw it on this. And I know God can speak in other ways. But specifically, when was the last time God spoke to you through his word? And it was, it was undeniable. You heard from God and it was from him. Could you give me the Bible book and the chapter and the verse? This is how God speaks. When was the last time God spoke to you? God is working on your blank page. It's that place where it feels like God is silent and circumstances don't make sense. You can be confident that God is still God. God will walk with you in the in-between of life. Can I get an amen from someone on this? This is just, this is just truth. I'm so grateful we have a God who's God of the blank page. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful we have a God who's the God of the in-between. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. So maybe you're here today and you're in that blank space. This message is for you. Malachi chapter 4. This is the last book in the Old Testament. And I want to read these verses because these are the last verses that are shared right before the, the birth of Jesus Christ. Malachi chapter 4. This is the book that God uses, incidentally. This is the prophet that God uses when God tells the Israelites, you've been robbing me. And you've been robbing me by giving me these defiled sacrifices. Remember last week, I brought a goat to church, and Pastor Nick is happy with the goats not here today. And, and, <laughs> and we brought a goat to church, and we talked about the sacrifices in Malachi, and they were robbing him with bad sacrifices. They weren't paying their tithes. They weren't fearing God. They were just using God. They were playing God. They were a player. And that's what they were doing. And in chapter 4, the last chapter in the Old Testament, this is what the Word says. The Lord of heaven's armies says... The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. So it's a heads up. There's going to be another day of judgment that all of us are going to face one day when you're standing before Jesus. And Jesus is going to ask you to be accountable of your life and whether you received him and what you did with him and for him. Malachi says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the, what church? The the arrogant, isn't that interesting? The prideful people, those who said there is no God, those who resisted God, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. You have to remember, we have a God of grace, but we also have a God of, of judgment. It's important that we recognize God's a God of grace and truth. He's both. Don't just look at God as a God of grace, but he also, he's also a God of justice. He also is. Verse 2, but for you who fear my name. Now he's talking about those people who've walked with him and those people who are God-fearers. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Isn't that good? Don't you, does anybody need healing today? You just need God to touch you and heal you in a special way. Healing in his wings. And you will go free. Let's just read this out loud. Leaping with joy. Now, I, I don't know what it feels like to be a cow, but I, I see this picture and I get it. There's joy. It's like worship. Some of you, when you worship, you just have to like jump up and down because you're just, you just, it's just natural. I worship because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. 
And it's just, there's this joy of the Lord that is greater than the biggest Christmas bonus check you can get. There's this joy of the Lord that is greater than anything you could experience in this world. Anything. It's a beautiful thing. And he's saying in, in this day, there's going to be, the, God's going to show up with healing in his wings and you'll go and they'll be leaping with joy like calves out of, out of pasture. And then verse 3 says this, On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And then verse 4, remember, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. This is a big verse right here. God's giving, sometimes God gives us heads up. I want you to be aware, something's going to happen Something's going to happen. God did this for me when I was, uh, we were back at, oh, wow, this would have been many years, many years ago. This would have been right around 2012. And I know maybe 2011, I remember I was reading the word and I was in Psalms and the Lord gave me a word that said, I will not be greatly shaken. I remember that. And um, I remember thinking, well, God, I wonder what shaken means to you. But he gave me a heads up, I will not be greatly shaken. He was speaking to me that something was going to happen in my life that would potentially rattle my theology. It would shake me. He gave me a heads up. And no joke, I said, Lord, whatever it is, I just want you to know I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to hold on. And I said that prayer. And literally within 30 seconds after I said that prayer, the owner of the Autotrol building came into my office and said, hey, Reuben, I just want you to know we decided to put the building up for sale. And I looked at him and I laughed. And I said, God just told me that. <laughs> I, I'm like, God just told me that. I didn't know what it meant. But God told me, sometimes we go through things in life where, where we're going to be shaken a little bit. And God's going to grow us through it. You're going to be okay. Someone needs to hear this. You're going to be okay. You'll be shaken a little bit, but you'll be okay. You hold on to your faith. It's going to be all right. And here, God is telling the Israelites to remember to obey the law of Moses. Why is God telling the Israelites that? It's like he's, remember, he's telling them, remember your roots. Remember, remember your faith. Remember the commandments of God. Remember what's right. Remember what's wrong. You don't forget that. This is, this is who you are. This is your DNA. Don't forget who you are. Verse 5, here it is. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arise. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. You know what that's telling us? There was division in homes and there were fights and conflict in homes and fathers and children weren't getting along. And it's going to impact all the way to the home Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Verse 5 says, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elisha before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Well, who's the prophet Elisha? Because Elisha has already lived and died. So in Malachi, he talks about this prophet Elisha. In the New Testament, you know who the prophet Elisha is? The spirit of Elisha is in him. You know what's his name? John the Baptist. God uses John the Baptist to prepare the way of the Lord. And he preaches this message about repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So these 400 years of silence, 
starts with Malachi and this prophecy about this prophet Elijah that will be sent. And it ends with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a prophet. He starts shouting this message that, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first time in 400 years they hear a prophet of God. It's the first time. So there's this blank space that happens right here. From Malachi to John the Baptist, 400 years of silence. So I'm going to share a little history with you. And my hope and prayer is you look at this history, you see the fingerprints of God. That you see how God was moving. Even though he wasn't speaking, God was moving. So this sounds, this is like a, like a Netflix drama series right here, this whole page, because it's amazing. I want to start off with, with sharing with you something that happened in 539 BC. Uh, the Medo-Persians, led by King Cyrus II, invaded Babylonia from the east in June of 539 BC. Now, this guy was this Persian king, and he was a horrible king. He did not fear God, but God stirred his heart. God stirred his heart, and God put it in his heart to allow this guy named Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple, to start building the wall. So God put it in King Cyrus's heart for this decree to say, okay, Israel, the Jews, the Hebrews have been in exile now for 70 years, and, and God put it in his heart to say, you can go home. You can go home. And I love this because it reminds me how God can move in any heart even a pagan king. Some of you, you might be in a situation where you work for someone who's just hates God or some hater or your friend or whatever it is. I want you to know God is able to move and work in any heart he chooses. He's that big of a God. He can do that. And you see that. In fact, in 445 BC, the walls of Jerusalem were completed by Nehemiah. And this is significant because this is what, like, people are coming back. In fact, in 430 BC, the Jews returned to Israel from the Babylonian captivity. So for these Jews, they've spent so much time away from God, and they're starting to come back home. They're starting to go back. And it's, it's, much, more, it's much more than that. They, they, they come to this temple, and, and, and they've longed. And the reason why they were exiled was because of their disobedience, their unfaithfulness. That's why God exiled them. But now God is saying, okay, you can come back. And God uses this pagan, pagan king. In 331 BC, Persia was conquered by Alexander the Great. And he died in battle eventually in 327 BC. This guy's really important. Because now this is the 400 years. This, now we're, we're in the blank page right here. They've come back from, from Babylonia. And, and now they're here. But Alexander the Great, this guy has been influenced by someone. Let me share with you some ancient Greek philosophers. You might have heard them. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. So Socrates, he had a student, and his student's name was Plato. And Plato had a student too, and his name was Aristotle. And Aristotle, this guy, you just need to know, he was, had a consuming passion for unity. Consuming passion for unity. In fact, philosophy and science was something that he elevated. That was Aristotle. Well, you just need to know he passed that mentality, that philosophy to his student, and his student's name was Alexander the Great. 
So Alexander the Great embraced this philosophy of, of philosophy and science and unity. And in fact, when he began his military conquest, he took with him the largest entourage of scientists for this expedition. And it's been said that the cost of supporting this scientific expedition was not surpassed until the American space program. So he brought soldiers and scientists, and he was all about, about unity. He was also, this, this idea of unity was so important to him that, that he embraced the Greek culture. There was something about the Greek culture. He embraced the Greek language. That was the biggest, biggest thing that he did. He said, let's have one language. Let's call it Greek because then we can do business better. We can make money and we can trade and we can exchange and commerce and we can do that. So he was Greekifying all of the area. It was called the Hellenization. He Greekified everything. And, and, and that is why when you look at your New Testament, the New Testament is not written in the Hebrew language. It's written in Greek. It's because of Alexander the Great, who was influenced by Aristotle. That's why. In 198 BC, there's this man named Antiochus III who attempts to make Jews Greeks. That's what he wants to do. So you're a Jew, I want you to be a Greek. And he's literally pushing out the whole Jewish religion and faith. And, and, and this was fiercely resisted by a small group of Orthodox Jews known as the pious ones, or Hasidic Jews. So he's doing this, and he's like, you know, it's like pushing. And in fact, this guy was so brutal. This is what he did. He, 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 uh, he identified three things that were considered a capital crime. And here were the three things. Number one was observance of the Sabbath. That was a capital crime. The second one was the practice of circumcision. And the third was possession of Hebrew scriptures. Why would these things be considered capital crimes? He had an agenda, and that was to get rid of the Jewish religion, get rid of that Hebrew faith. And he's Greekifying everything. And, but something happens in 167 BC. Antiochus does this thing that just crosses the line. You got to remember, there's these small group of Orthodox, pious Jews and they're holding on to the faith, and, and they don't like this. And it's just a small group. But in 167 BC, he does something that was horrible. He sacrificed a pig on a sacred altar, on one of the Hebrews' altars. Now, a pig, if you look, if you, if, if you look in your Bible in Leviticus and other places, it's considered to be an unclean animal. If you're a Jew, you don't eat bacon, right? I'm really sorry. I'm sad for you now. But if you, during the old days, Old Testament, that's what you did. So, so, so the, the, he sacrificed a pig on an altar. And these small group of Hasidic Jews, these pious ones, said, Enough! Enough! You crossed the line. Have you been there before? When you, like, tolerate something? And then, you know, it's like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. You know, that kind of thing. That's what, that's what happens with these small Orthodox Jews. And in, in, in 164 BC, it was led by this guy named Judas Maccabees. A revolt happens called the Maccabean Revolt. And the temples of Jerusalem were opened again, and the celebration of Jewish worship began. And it started off with these small group of people that said, enough. Let me just stop right here and say, <clears throat> It only takes one for God to work through. 
You want to change your family around or you want to change your circumstances around. It just takes one or few to say enough. We're going to put God first. Enough. We're going to seek God out. Enough. We can't keep doing this. This is wrong. It only takes one. So this is a significant time right here because now after this, the Maccabean revolt, incidentally, if you were a Jew, you would know this story because there's a famous Jewish holiday called the Hanukkah that comes from this revolt. That's where it comes from, the Hanukkah, in December. That's where it, that's where it comes from. But it lasted from 142 B.C. to 63 B.C. And the reason why this revolt is so significant was God used the Maccabean revolt to bring back the theology of Moses, the Old Testament theology, and they started believing again. It's like they, they, they re, just rebirthed this thing. It was reintroduced, the idea of a monotheistic God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord is God. The idea that there is one God, that came back, that was reintroduced to, that was a big deal because if you know anything about Greek you know, mythology and Greek, there's many gods but when this, this small group, they reintroduced the temple and everything, people were coming. They were like leaving these pagan churches and they were getting back to the synagogue and they were hearing a message about there is one God. It's like they're going back to, okay, you know, this is a football. This is the basics right here. We're going to go back. These are the Ten Commandments. This is how God wants you to live. All of that was reintroduced during this time. And it was kind of like coming back home and it's like, this makes sense and, and it just felt good. And, and, and they were, they were, there was a hope was rising. Hope was rising during this time. And something weird happened. There was a squabble that happened between these politicians, and, and they asked this other country to help out and to help out with this squabble, and they did. And that country, or that empire was named Rome. And in 63 BC, Rome steps in and exerts power, and Rome appoints a new leader in 40 BC, and his name is Herod the Great. Herod the Great... He is a puppet king of Rome. That's who he is. He's known for his buildings, but he's especially known for his cruelty. Especially. He was installed by the influence of two Romans. And here were the guys who had influence. One guy was named Octavian, and the other guy's name was Mark Anthony. So Mark Anthony becomes known for his relationship with this Egyptian queen. You know her name? Cleopatra, Cleopatra, and Octavian becomes Caesar Augustus. You read about Caesar Augustus in the New Testament when Jesus faced Caesar Augustus. So you have all these political things that happen, and you know you had it was it was Persia and Greece, Egypt, Syria, and Rome, and and all these cultural changes that happen. And you just need to know how God moved here. For the first time during this whole area, there was one language now that was elevated above everything else. It was Greek. And the other thing that was, was unifying during this time was because Rome, their, their philosophy was, we'll take over by might. So we'll take over by might, and anyone who opposes us will just kill them. Well, as a result, there was peace in Rome, but it was under the power of Rome and their hand. 
So there, were no, there was no other conflict with other countries because Rome was keeping everyone in order. But the other thing that Rome did, and remember, during this time, Israel, the Hebrews were coming back together, and they were starting to relearn the idea of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. They were relearning what, what, what are, you know, the traditions of, of, of Scripture and the law of Moses. They were relearning. All that was reintroduced. So that helped, and God used all this. And the other thing that God used was Rome. Anyone here a systems thinker? You just think like that? You think in systems? Well, you're probably more Roman than you realize, because that was Rome. Rome was a systems thinker. And you know what they did? They established the Greek language because they, they reinforced that. They also believed, just like Aristotle and Alexander the Great, they also believed one language is better for business, we're better for commerce. But the other thing they did, and that helped, because that helped spread the gospel. But the other thing they did that was huge. They established roads and highways. And guess who travels on those roads? Guess who travels in the early church when the gospel is spreading in the book of Acts? Guess what they travel on to spread the gospel? Isn't God good? You see this blank page and all these events that happen and, and you see how these things happen and not, they don't make any sense. And, 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 like, and when you look back, you're like, okay, now I understand how God's going to use all that for his glory. Now I understand. What does your blank page look like? Let me say this. All of God's saints, if allowed to live long enough, are led into the lonely, disorienting, weary wilderness. And while there we lament, and since laments are often better sung than said, it's always been the poets and songwriters who help us most. That good. If you walk with God long enough, there's going to be a blank page in your life. And I've had several blank pages in my life where you're called to walk by faith, you're called to trust God. David said this in Psalm chapter 13 How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Anyone ever been there before? Anyone wrestle with thoughts? And these thoughts just haunt you? And they're, it's like your private prison, and you wrestle with these thoughts, and nobody knows about the thoughts you wrestle with, but God knows the thoughts that you wrestle with. And you're saying, God, when are you going to help me out here, God? I don't like who I am. I don't like the circumstances. I don't like this. God, when are you going to move? I'm, I'm living in the blank page here, God. I need you to help me out. <clears throat> Why is God silent? Just talk about that for a little bit. One of the reasons why God is silent at times is because we have sin in our life and we refuse to repent from it. If you're in a place right now where you feel like, you know what, God hasn't been speaking to me, I would first say do an assessment of your own spiritual life. And if, if there's sin in your life, if you're doing something, if you're practicing something, if there's something that you know you're not living a God-honoring life and you know it, Repent. It's doing it about face. You know, like I'm doing this right here, but I'm going to turn around and I'm not going to live. I'm going to have a change of mind and I'm going to live my life a different way because I'm not going to live like that anymore. Because if there's sin in your life like that and you know it's there, it's a barrier between you and the purpose of God. You need to confess that sin. Isaiah chapter one says this, the prophet, this is what God says through Isaiah. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. 
This is a verse. When I see this verse, I, I have this vision of like God like sitting down saying, all right, come here, let's sit down. Just hang out with me for a little bit. And you keep reading it. What does it say? Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. But you got to come and you got to sit down here. Let's just talk this out. You enjoying your life right now? How are things going? You still carrying that stuff around? You living like that? How's that working out for you? <laughs> and he says, though, I love, he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. That feels good. That feels, that feels good for anyone else. That feels good. Oh, the joy for those whose sins have been forgiven. That's what Psalm, that's what David says. Oh, the joy for those whose sins have been forgiven. Amen. That's what God can do in your life. Do you believe that? Turn to the person next to you and just tell them God can do it. Can you do that? Just tell them God can do it. God can do it. God wants to give you a clean heart. And you know the beauty about our God? He's so good. He gives us this clean heart, but then he, he, he does this crazy thing where he remembers them no more. None of us have that ability. None of us do. We remember when people wrong us. <clears throat> Just driving a to church this morning, I was with my daughter and, and she says, hey dad, do you remember you know, that whole experience with that school? I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Because it's there. It's in the back of the memory. You know what I'm talking about. You remember. You have a God. Aren't you glad you have a God who is more faithful than you? Aren't you glad you have a God who's full of unfailing love? Aren't you, aren't you glad for that? You know, here's, you know, as I work through this message, here's the, the truth I thought about. You know, uh, I'll just speak for myself. <clears throat> Sometimes I feel like God is more passionate about me than I am about him. Sometimes I feel like God wants me more than I want him. You ever feel that way? Can we be honest here? Because if you really want to experience God, I know what to do if I really want to experience God. You know what I do? I fast. I'll abstain from food and I'll abstain from any liquids and I'll just read scripture and I'll just seek him with all my heart and I'll fast for, for days. If I really want to hear God, that's what I do. I, I, that's what I know. But Because I, I, I know God is there at the end of that. But I, I've got to want it. I, I think all of us, you know, if you really want to hear God, you know what to do. But I think we just get a little comfortable and we say, you know what, God? It's like, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm good with this much of you, God, right here. I don't need all of it. I just need you enough to... Make sure I have a job and make sure my needs are met and, and make sure, you know what, I just want to make sure I go to heaven and I just need just enough of you, God, 
to free me from any guilt and shame. Just enough of that. I just need enough of you, God, so I can go to bed. I just need enough of you, God. You go ahead and give me blessings, but I just need, I don't need that much of you. And I'm just fearful that maybe God wants us more than we want him. Sometimes we don't hear from God and we're on this blank page. Here's another reason. Sometimes it's not a sin issue. It's a timing issue. It's not a sin issue. It's a timing issue. It's a circumstance issue. Someone once said the timing of God is just as important as the purpose of God. You know, the purpose of God, we elevate. We want God's will for our life. But his timing is just as important as his purpose. And sometimes we have to wait Sometimes we have to wait and we have to trust him. And that's hard to do. So what do you do? What do you do when you're living on the blank page? I'm going to share with you three things. First thing is this. You trust God is leading even though he's not speaking. You trust God is leading even though he's not speaking. Just because he's not answering that prayer doesn't mean he's not moving. He's not working. When I, you know, when I, when I became a Christian, I, I did not have a Christian mom or dad. I did not have a Christian grandma and grandpa on either side of the families. I did not have a great grandma or great grandpa. I did not have anyone in my, in my, to my knowledge, I was the first Christian on my family tree. I'm sure there were other ones. I just don't know. Just don't know who they were. So when I came to know Jesus, I was white hot, excited for Jesus, and I still am. I invited all my party friends to church. I said, guys, let's not go party instead. Let's not go, you know, do drugs and, and, and drink and all night. And I got something better that lasts way longer. Come and get to know Jesus. And that's who I was and still am. It's telling everyone about Jesus at the grocery store, at the gas station, telling everyone about Jesus enough to freak people out. That's what I was doing. And then my, my, my mom and dad, they weren't Christians. You got to remember that. So what I decided to do was I'm going to help them know Jesus. So I knew things about their life. So I handpicked verses in the Bible that I knew would inflict a whole lot of guilt and shame. And I decided to share those verses with them. Yeah, that didn't go very well at all. It was horrible. It was horrible. And all they did was like, you know what, Reuben, we don't want to have anything. In fact, my dad said, don't you ever talk about the Bible in this house. I'll never forget my dad saying that. I was, it was horrible. I was not good. He would say things to me, and me, the new Christian, I would tell him, I would quote a verse. But you know the verse I would quote to him? Even fools appear wise when they keep their mouth shut. I didn't share that the other two services. I was not good. It was bad. Are you saying I'm a fool? I was just horrible. And finally, God says, Reuben, just shut up. You're not helping at all. It's a true story. Let me just say right now, my dad's a believer. One day, my mom and dad, their best friends who they worship. Do you have any friends who you worship? He was a police officer and she was in the business world and they worshiped him. He was in the Air Force and the Reserves. They just worshiped him. And guess what happens? They come to know Jesus. I felt like when that happened, God was like, you see what I can do, Reuben? Way better than your strategy. 
<laughs> it was true. So I just, I was reading the Bible just all the time, just devouring it. And I still am just devouring God's word. And um, hear this. For everything, there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. You got to keep that in mind. Why, why isn't summer starting tomorrow? Some of you would like to have summer start tomorrow. Why isn't summer starting tomorrow? It's because God respects seasons. And he's going to use everything that happens on the blank page for his purpose. I like the way Stephen Furtick said this. He said, our challenge is to synchronize our faith with God's schedule. So um, I use Google Calendar. Anybody else use Google Calendar? You might use something else, whatever it is. But on my calendar, I could sync it so that Grace could see my calendar. And, and actually, staff can see my calendar as well. They see availability and busy, all that. But Grace can see, like, names. And she doesn't know, like, the details of the meeting, but she can certainly pray when she sees I have meetings and I'm going to meet with so-and-so. She can see all that. And it just helps our family. But I think here's the challenge. <clears throat> we can't see God's calendar. So we're just called to walk by faith. I mean, if, if you knew... You know, like on November 2nd, 2020, this prayer was going to get answered. Would it be faith? If you knew it? And we don't know that. So our, 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 our faith, our calendar doesn't, doesn't sync with God's calendar. So we just have to have faith that God knows what he's doing and his plan is better than our plan. Now let me just say the way God moves. He, he, you know, a lot of times when we're living on this blank page, we think, you know what, there's just a... The way I get off of this blank page is I need, I need this to happen. I need more money or, or, or I, need, I need this to happen. I need this break to happen. And if I don't, you know, that's how I get off of it. And what I've learned is God's way is so much better than our way and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. <clears throat> Number two is this. God will show you the significance of the blank page when he turns the page. When God turns the page, you're gonna see how God has moved and you're gonna go back and you're gonna look at that blank page and you're gonna say, Ah, now I get it. And if it wasn't for that illness, if it wasn't for that tragedy, if it wasn't for that hurt, if it wasn't for that person, if it wasn't for, now I get it. Now I get it. <clears throat> Romans 8, it's probably one of the most misquoted verses, says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works out circumstances for those who love him. Not everyone. You can do that. But God will work for those who love him. He'll work out the circumstances. Last thing I want you to hear is this. Don't disconnect from God because nothing is happening. That's something I've seen so often. You're living in the blank page and you say, you know what? I don't think I need to go to church anymore. Nothing's happening. You know what? I don't think I need to read my Bible anymore. Nothing's happening. Yeah, I've been praying for that. Nothing's happening. You know what? I'm going to disconnect from people who I know who are godly people, Christians. You know what? Meh. And you walk away. That's the devil's goal. The devil's goal is for you not to be sitting here right now. The devil's goal is to disconnect you from your God. Disconnect you from yourself. I like what this person said about the Bible. He said, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. If this is what your life looks like and you call yourself a Christian, it's a mistake. 
So don't live like this and say, God, show me what your will is. Show me, God. And it stays like this. God, speak to me. And it stays like this. You know what happens when your Bible stays closed? You start trying to determine God's will by your feelings, by your emotions. You turn to people and say, hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? Uh, And you start looking, whether it's mom or dad or boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or whatever. What do you think? And you never go to the well. You got to learn to go to the well. Because this is how God moves. That's why here at Thorn Creek, we're always preaching the Bible all the time. In fact, I usually share a whole bunch of verses because this is, there's nothing like the well. This is where it is. So don't live your life with this book closed and say, I don't know what God wants me to do. When you look at this blank page and you can see all these events from King Cyrus all the way to Rome and you see all this crazy stuff happen and there's one verse in the New Testament that I just love because it talks about this blank page and here it is, Galatians chapter four, verse four. It says, but when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Isn't that beautiful? When the fullness of the time came. Then he turned the page. It was all set up. He needed Persia. He needed that Greek language. He needed those roads. He needed the people to remember the law of God. He needed that synagogue. He needed the temple. He needed it to come back to Jerusalem. When the fullness of time came, it was ripe. It was ripe. God, thank you for your grace and your love, and thank you for the way you moved here. And if you're ready to receive Jesus into your life, that's your first step. Would you just say this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I choose to become a Christian. Or maybe you consider yourself a Christian. And maybe you're living on that blank page. And maybe the first thing you need to do is you need to turn away from that sin. You know you're doing things that aren't pleasing to God and you've chosen to do them instead of love God. And maybe you need to say this prayer. Say, God, forgive me. I want to turn from that sin right now, God. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to look at it anymore. I want to be driven by your spirit. I don't want to be driven by lust. I want to be driven by your spirit. I don't want to be driven by greed. I want to be driven by your spirit. I don't want to be driven by my flesh. I turn to you with all of my heart. Others of you might say, God, help me to be faithful on this blank page. I'm going to trust you, God. May my faith be loud on this blank page. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church give.